0: Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast, Cincinnati Comic Expo Edition. The ninth annual expo happened this past week. Comic book artists and writers, film and television celebrities, authors and artists of every medium you can think of, and hundreds and hundreds of attendees converged on Cincinnati's Duke Energy Convention Center for three days of geeky fun. Matt was unable to attend this year, but I was lucky enough to have an old friend from out of town come in to keep me company. Tom Branner and I go back decades, and it was great to have him around for this year's expo. He made it an outstanding co-host, and helped keep me from having to talk to myself. As always with recordings at conventions, the quality is what it is. There's a lot of background hubbub, and, and then there is the fact that I'm simply not used to working with my recorder out and about. I have to go to more cons. That being said, sorry for some of the popping. Hey, folks, this is Christopher Time Shifters Podcast at the Cincinnati Comic Expo, ninth annual Cincinnati Comic Expo, which is amazing because we've been coming to this thing since year one. Pretty damn exciting. Uh, Matt is not with me today, so I have brought in... I, I got. I got a ringer today. He's a voice who has been on this podcast ages ago, I think... My, my my friend here Thomas Briner Tom welcome to the Cincinnati Comic Expo why thank you Chris I'm happy to be here <laughs> now your voice was heard on this podcast I think once before yes Cowboys versus Aliens? Yes. Is that the yes. film we all saw? Yeah, no,
1: that's the one that we went to. Yeah, yeah
0: everybody, we all did a big roundtable discussion afterwards. We did. We so did. It was, a, it was a bunch of us. Well, welcome back to the show. It's awesome Thank to you. have you here. It's great to be back. <laughs> so yeah, we just got in the expo We're going through one line and then another line and, and <laughs> waiting and then getting and, through another line. And, Unfortunately, security line line. has made expos a little more interesting than then, they used to be. Yeah, no, the,
1: uh, the securities are quite a, interesting. And their layout, they, they've got a little work to do around here. Uh, it was clear that we were getting a little struggle just trying to get into the door.
0: <laughs> yeah, they need to find a better way. Unfortunately, because of where the, we're at the Duke Energy Convention Center here in downtown Cincinnati, and because of where it's located, there's not much you can do on the outside as far as trying to get people in. And then what do you do with them? Where do you put them? Right. So they do have to, I, I think they're, they're doing as best they can, maybe, with what they got to work with. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I kind of feel like... Traffic flow could use a little work. Traffic Signage flow,
1: would do a good job. <laughs> a little extra signage. A little yep. extra
0: signage might be good because we were standing in a line for a good five minutes to find out that wasn't the line we should have been in. <laughs> That's how these things go,
1: though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, um, you're down here at the expo. I mean, uh, what, what are you looking forward to? Do you have any... Um, you know, are you looking for forward to anything in particular for this show? Are you looking for anything? Are you looking to see anybody? What's the, what's your draw this year?
1: Oh, well, uh, actually, they've got a tremendous amount of guests here. Uh, I love the, the sheer number of voice actors from G.I. Joe that are going to be here. Uh, having a nine-year-old that's getting into G.I. Joe quite a bit, it's a great pull. Uh, all about the collectibles, too, especially with him in tow. Um Always, Summer Glow is always a big, <laughs> big pull for me, I won't deny. We share. Uh, we, we do share
0: share an, uh, an affection for Miss Glow.
1: Yes, no, she's fantastic. Uh, go out of the way, watch anything with her in it. Uh, but, I mean, Clark Gregson or
0: Greg Clarkson. Clark Greg.
1: Clark Greg, Clark Greg yeah. I, I knew I was going to say that wrong, but, no, I, I think he's fantastic, so I'm hoping to catch a glimpse of him at least.
0: Yeah, so. we got a few. Uh, a few. We'll be able to catch a few of the Q and A's if we hang out here long enough today. Yep. We can get a few of the Q and A's with them. Um, fingers crossed that we happen to come across one of their tables at a slow time, and maybe yeah. maybe I can actually, you know, get five minutes. That that'd would be, be nice, fantastic. I know
1: we'll how see. these
0: things go. Yeah, it's <laughs> it can be a little rough, especially where it looks like they how they have it laid out this year is a little bit more standoffish uh, for the media celebs. Oh, man. Yeah, man, but. But we do have plenty of other guests. There is a guy, uh, I think his name's Brian Collin. Remind me if we used to play this game. He was a game designer. He is a game designer. Yeah. The game Xenophobe. Do you remember? It was a three person scrolling shooter. You walk through the space station and all the aliens try to get you. Do you remember this game? I do remember. I think if I showed you screenshots, you would know. No, no, no. Absolutely. No, I remember this game. Yeah. Well, he helped design that game as well as the game Rampage. Oh. As well as many others. Those are the two that really jumped out as like, I know those games. That guy owes me a quarter, at least.
1: <laughs> that, thanks to the movie and just the campiness of trying to bring a rampage to the big screen, uh, I'm just like all about rampage
0: lately. So it was Very a lot cool. of fun. I haven't seen the film yet, so. It's- it looks like it would be just—it's a film I want oh, to see. Oh, I mean,
1: it's an arcade game. It, it, it is a con, a stand at it box arcade game. There's no story to the thing, so they could have fun doing whatever they wanted. And I think
0: they actually—it was not bad. And, Good. Well, yeah. It's the Rock. It's, the, it's, it's Johnson, the Rock. You can't go wrong. Exactly. I felt that way when I just recently watched him in Baywatch. It's not about a good. Old, uh, about it's not the only a, reason to watch it. It's not a good movie. No, but no, I'll be damned if I didn't enjoy it. It's kind of like you know there was moments in that. You know what? I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> this isn't what this is for. Well, We're know. at the Comic Expo. Let's not talk about Baywatch. Anyway, so yes, they have yes. a game designer. He's here, so I cool. think I definitely will get a chance to talk to him a little bit. So that's got to be a. I I want to get his his opinion on. Okay, you designed a game, and now that game is a movie. Right. You know, I've seen people do comics, and I've talked to them about, you know, your creation scene on the big screen or anything. But you can kind of see where that might happen. Well, yeah, it's already you know. a story. There's right.
1: character, character development. There's reason to do that. Yeah, A but lot it, of these yeah. older school video games had no story. You get in there, you pummel the heck out of whatever you're fighting against, and that's it. That's the end of it.
0: Although it'll be interesting because if you think about, like, the game Xenophobe was definitely sort of like a take off of like alien well, aliens well, so it's yeah, kind of like, in the name yeah so maybe <laughs> maybe the rampage is kind of the comeuppance for xenophobe <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah
1: and i gotta say uh, lately i've been all about ready player one uh, the movie and the book and Great. appreciating the, the good and the bad of both um but because i just went through the book I'm all about the old arcade games again yeah. too. So it's regenerated a bit of
0: that. Well, old arcade games about all we play at my house. <laughs> we we don't have anything newer than an N sixty four plugged in, so
1: Yeah, but that was when you could just you could climb on it, you could play for a little while, whatever you had time to do, and then you left it and you had your good time and it's okay. A lot of the newer ones, you gotta devote so many hours to it. Because there is an in-depth story and all that, and, and if you don't have that kind of time, it's hard to get the enjoyment out of it. Exactly.
0: Now, you are still a little bit more into the comics than I am. Matt was okay. kind of my more of my comic geek, uh, comic nerd for me. <laughs> I, was, I was looking forward to really kind of writing on his his knowledge and everything. I'm not so much. Is there any of the comic artists or, or writers that you've seen here today that you're kind of interested in... Uh, bending an ear or or seeing their work uh I'm all, i admit i
1: don't know all the ones that are here i'm looking to just kind of peruse uh we'll see who's out there uh getting older uh it becomes a little harder to keep up with all the storylines they change changing them all the time that's true so uh but yeah our artists uh i i find i'm drawn even more by the art at, at this point than even the uh the storylines yeah. so uh, I need to see who's here. I don't have the uh, list
0: yet. Okay, excellent. You know, what's also going to speaking of artists, it's the you know what the comic expo bra- brings in. Not only do they bring in the media guests and the comic artists and and, and writers, they also bring in regular authors and artists of mm-hmm. lots of different media's. And that's usually where I get in trouble. I usually walk <laughs> out with a book that I never make my, make time to read. Right, and I walk out with a print that I don't have room to hang. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's the struggle we all have when we come to these things. We see all the shiny objects. We want them, but, yeah. but you know, you got to have a spot for them. You yeah, have the money in the
0: wallet. And, <laughs> and there's always toys. There there's always somebody toys. with a toy. I have
1: never gotten away from my love of the toys. Anything that reminds me of either the adventure of it all or just my childhood it, it
0: pulls me back in and as my my son pointed out before i left the house today if there's movies to be looked at <laughs> yes you and your movies <laughs> I, I i i will look especially if it's some independent you know just pull me in right tell me your story right. i'll probably buy your movie <laughs> yeah
1: you are a sucker that way <laughs> All
0: right, well, we just walked in the door. We're still at the entrance, so I think it is time to uh, start wandering and seeing what we can see. Absolutely. All right, let's go. All righty. Tom and I stopped into Carrie Elway's Q&A, moderated by Comic Book Central podcast Joe Stuber. It was an amazing hour. Carrie Elway's was so much fun to listen to. He told some really fun stories about his experiences on Princess Bride, Robin Hood Men in Tights, Twister, his television work, and even some of his own personal life. I recorded some of the talk, and I wanted to share with you a couple clips. This first one was an answer to one of the fantastic questions put forth by a fan. What was it like working with Mel Brooks? Oh my God, Mel Brooks.
2: I laugh a minute. He's so funny. Every day was just joyful much like it was on Princess Bride. I, I really don't remember a day without that. I mean, Mel was very funny because he would do things like, for instance, I had to shoot a bow and arrow in the film. And, and literally two days before we were supposed to do it, he goes, we're going to move the, the, the archery scene to tomorrow. I said, what well, I, I haven't signed you. Is there anything? Don't, like, don't worry, tomorrow? don't worry. You'll yeah, get it. You're okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he was... I was just convinced that I was a master because I was, if it could be a sword fighter, I could be fine with a bow and arrow. You know what I mean? So the, to, the next day comes, and the, the archer whom he hired to, to, to handle the bow and arrow came over to me and goes, Have you ever fired a bow? And I go, No. And he goes, Oh. And he goes, Well, you know, it's sort of trial and error, but let me try and teach you. And he sort of did a couple of quick lessons, and he obviously was a professional and hit the bullseye each time. And I was just hoping so. Sure enough, Mel comes up and goes, Okay, let's shoot this. I said, but no, I still need a little bit more practice. And he goes, no, no,
3: no, no, we need to get this.
2: Everybody's hungry. It's lunch. It's lunch. Can I get it before lunch? get it before lunch? He said, Ray. He goes, yes, yes, come on. So I get up there, and I fire the first arrow, and it, it just goes into Ventura County. Somewhere. And then the second one, you know, hits a cat in a tree. And the third one goes in the ground, and melts. Like, No pressure, everybody's hungry, no pressure. (laughs) And on the fifth take, I hit a bullseye, completely by mistake. I had no idea how I did it. And if you look in the film, you can see the complete shock (laughs) on my face as I pretend that it was all very cool. And literally after I said my line, you know, Mel turned around, okay, that's much! (laughs) That was pretty much how he directed it.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> this, Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, so as well as a talented actor, he's also a pretty, he does some pretty good impressions. <laughs> this next clip is him discussing the difference between the two comedic legends he's worked for, Rob Reiner and Mel Brooks.
2: Good question. Very good question. And, and nobody's asked that before. It's a good question. Because Rob made, was, was sat us all down at the table read and he said, look, I want you guys to play this very close to the, your cards, very close to your chest. I don't want you to play for the laughs. The laughs are already there. You don't have to force them. You don't have to play them. By the way, you know, tell Billy Crystal that, but, you, know, you don't have to play for the laughs, right? Just just say the line as written, and I promise you, you'll get the result you want. And because you know, Phil Goldman had written a screenplay back in, back in 1973, Jeez. so it was a very well-owned screenplay, not much room for improv, although he did let us improvise a little bit, Rob. Like, I came up with the whole, there was nothing about being mostly dead body language. Right? Of language. I invented all all that. And I told Rob, I think we should have Andre nod for me. Then we get to see his hand on the side of my head, which would be great. So he, he, there was room for that. But with, with Mel, it was all about, is it funny? You know, and, and if you made him laugh or giggle, mostly giggle, because it would have to be something really good to make him laugh, um, then you knew you had a good take. And so for him, it was just more about, as you say, the farce. But with Rob, it was very much about playing it for being real. And I think you can see that in the film. We're all very sincere about what we're doing, (laughs) even though it's completely crazy. Thank you
0: very much. All righty. Yeah, we're all right. We're fine. (laughs) Lunchtime at the Comic (laughs) Expo. Uh, A daunting experience. Yeah. Yeah. More lines. (laughs) At least this time, we were in the right line. Uh, as soon as we found it. <laughs> yeah. And found the right line. Well, I was thrilled. Because concessions are scattered, and everyone has a line. It just depends on what it is you want to eat.
1: Yeah, important safety tip. Uh, be sure you know what line you're climbing into. Uh, they, there are lines to go to nowhere. Yeah,
0: I think that's true. <laughs> Yeah, but so far, I mean, we just kind of did a little bit of wandering around. Just on the outside so far, we haven't even really reached the inner circles of the expo yet. No, not yet. We did go up and sit in on the Carrie Elway's Q&A. A A very excellent Q&A. That was actually a lot, but I mean, I recorded some of it, which I'll help to, uh, you know, throw into some episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to admit, I I stopped it when the fan questions were getting ready to start because I was expecting, oh, these are going to be fan questions and these are going to be like, you know, what was it like... Uh, doing it, it, no. And then there uh, was he had and, very intelligent, very well thought out questions and questions he hadn't heard. Yeah, and there was actually maybe some questions like that. But yeah, Kerry oh, yeah. is an expert. He was actually able to turn it into something that was like, this is something that's fun that everyone's going to want to hear.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And he was just a fantastic speaker. He was just very. It, it's clear that he appreciates coming to these things. The fans that support him. It's what allows him to do what he does. Yeah. And and he just really was genuinely interesting to listen to and fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I was amazed at how comedic he was. Yes. Um, This is a guy that early in his career was only dramatic roles. Right. Uh, Princess Bride was his first comedy. Right. And I think it had a profound effect on him in working on Rob Reiner because now he's a comedian all of his own. And a pretty good, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, impressionist.
1: No, yes. (laughs) No, we were delighted to uh, hear people ask questions about his experiences with Mel Brooks, of which he broke into a spot-on impression of Mel Brooks. you close your eyes, you would have thought Mel
0: was in the room. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it was like beyond good.
1: And he was funny as well. Yeah. Like, like you, it was like Mel had been channeled into him <laughs> yeah. in order to, have, to say whatever it was that he was going to say. It was amazing.
0: I really liked uh, some of his stories, his recollections about Andre the Giant. Yes, no. that was really nice. I mean, I've uh, honestly had affection for the man.
1: Yeah, and I, I never got into the wrestling culture, but. It was hard growing up in the eighties not to like the early WWF, the, the Hulk Hogan's the Andre, the Giants and right. Andre was just one of those characters you always like and to get a little sense of who he was as a guy was just really cool. Yeah,
0: uh, absolutely. Yeah. You sound like a real genuine nice guy. He was it, someone you wanted to meet and wanted to you wanted to, you wanted to be friends with. You're like saddened all over that
1: he's gone. Yeah. because there's like oh there may have been so much more to get from him.
0: Andre really felt it. like, I mean, he had to live his life as this giant, and Carrie went into this about how so many people were, would point and just expect him to be this giant. But honestly, he seemed like the kind of personality where the only friend he didn't have was the one he hit was the guy he didn't meet yet. Right. You know, and if you would let him actually just be himself with you. No. I, well, and
1: the, 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 well, like he shared uh, the notion that. Uh, you couldn't buy the man a meal; uh, he was going to buy it for you. And when his giant-sized hand came down <laughs> over yours, if you tried to take the check, there was no arguing with that. Yeah. Um, but it's also the getting the perspective, like without having met the man himself, you see him only on screen, on TVs, a movie, and um, well, the, the camera and and the angles and all that. You get yeah, okay, yeah. He's a big guy, but when Kerry is really telling you stuff, like his own man-sized hand looks like a baby's hand inside this other gentleman's hand, is just like that's some perspective that you just wouldn't get yeah. uh, to be in the presence of a guy and for him to come off as gentle as
0: he's right. describing him. It was a, it's just he it was the gentle giant, absolutely. And that that coming from a man who made his living throwing other men around <laughs> right. in a ring no that's pretty awesome i also like the stories of
1: mealtime with him just the notion that he'd eat everything on one side of the menu and then come back and eat the other side <laughs> of the menu because that's what it takes to fuel
0: a guy that size <laughs> now one of the best probably fan questions i've ever heard and i think it impressed uh, carrie elway's too and you you mentioned this as we were coming out they asked the difference between working with Rob Reiner yeah. and working with Mel Brooks. Yes, a great question because no, two fantastic. very two comedic directors, very different, uh, very different at how the type of films that they make.
1: Well, yeah, and uh, the the perspective that he gave that uh, Rob actually grew up around Mel. Sure. So he got some of his acumen from Mel and his father Carl. So. That was amazing. But then, yeah, the total different styles, um, as we were discussing earlier, too. I was thoroughly enjoying the notion that Rob Reiner would pass down to the, the cast that you don't need to worry so much about your comedy. Don't play it up. Don't ham it up. Read the words you're given. The laughs will come with that. And just the confidence that comes from saying something like that, almost on the level of arrogance, that... Uh, that you don't have to worry about how you would do it just do it the way i told you and it's all gonna work out mm-hmm.
0: and you know i think if you really gonna get down to it something like princess bride that film can live a lifetime yeah and still be good still be yeah. funny still be enjoyed by all ages yes a mel brooks film ages the it- jokes age the comedy ages you, you get some of the jokes where it's like, hmm, that's not quite so funny in today's world, you <laughs> right. know, kind of thing.
1: Well, yeah, no, because his comedy is very in-the-moment, and it's very topical. Yeah. Um, and he only gets away with saying what he gets away with saying based on the, the era he's in at the time. You watch a Blazing Saddles now, and you could never get away with any of the things that were in that. So... But then I also just enjoyed like uh, playing them off of each other," he said. "Like Rob Reiner, we were gonna we were gonna work the script, whereas with uh, Mel Brooks, there was a sense of silliness about everything. It, it, they'd spend all their time laughing at, at the various circumstances because it was, as they said during the questioning, the difference between playing it straight and playing a farce."
0: Right. Yeah, no, it was a real interesting question with some really interesting insights. And, I, you know, I guess anymore I shouldn't be surprised as I am when they come up with stuff like that. I, I honestly, I'm used to coming up or, or seeing the fans come up and ask kind of the more... And there was a couple, like, oh, how many takes did it take to roll down the hill? Like, I've, I've, yeah, I, no. I guess that's important to them, but...
1: To share the story again on here, uh, Chris and I did conventions back when we were in high school mm-hmm. uh, when we first met and we'd go to these star trek conventions and we there's the john delancey one that we went to where someone asked him to demonstrate the power of q and of course he's got nothing for him and he's trying not to ridicule them but he he's snapping his fingers and nothing he's like i don't know that's the humidity in the room. Um, we. But I think it's a a sentiment on the the culture of these events all the way around. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, it was still kind of a a subculture. You, you, You had to be in the know, and it brought out kind of... A different group of people and now every all of it's far more mainstream and way more acceptable and it raises the intellectual level quite a bit so
0: people ask thoughtful questions do you think that the fact that now all this is so much more accessible i mean especially the older movies and the uh the trivia the behind the scenes i mean when you and i were going to these cons creation con folks are they still around i doubt it it. yeah um there was no internet there was no research. There was no trivia. Let's read it. You know, so unless you read something in Starlog magazine, right? Starlog, or like famous <laughs> monsters of filmland, or, or some magazine like that, you didn't have any behind the scenes. You didn't no. have any interviews unless you watched. If you are really lucky, at the end of that VHS, if you didn't stop at the end of the movie, maybe there was an interview. Maybe. Yeah, because no, yeah, it,
1: it was uh, well, a. That, that was prior to. DVDs and Blu-rays and all the other content that would come with that stuff. Right. Uh so yeah, you didn't get its perspective and you also well, that kind of stuff has educated the people who come to these things. Right. So they know to raise the bar a little bit. Yeah. Don't, don't just get up there and go, "Hi, I like you."
0: Right. Uh, and that, that's, that's not going to do it. And that's where I was leading the conference. Kind of leading it is that yeah. it becomes that now the fans are a lot more educated about the people that they have that they're going to see and they're asking these questions of.
1: No, absolutely. And it's it's good to see it, and if we get better information. It makes it more fun, mm-hmm. and that's what was really good about uh, being with Kerry in there is he was such a genuine guy, just glad to have what he has, and appreciative of all the people who support him. So. It was a great experience. It was
0: fun to just listen to him talk. Absolutely. Well, we still got a lot more to see. <laughs> Things are getting noisier again. we got a stage right in front of us. I don't know how often that's going to go on. <laughs> but real quick, I do want to mention we've already <laughs> seen a couple. Nope, we're going to have to get back to it. Yep. Oh, uh, this is the last minutes. Did I win something? No, no. Damn But just on the outskirts, we have seen a couple of really good uh, artists already, which we knew we would. Mm -hmm. Mosaic Fan Art. Folks, mosaicfanart.com. Look this guy up. If you can afford it, his pieces are (laughs) incredible. He does everything with glass, just broken glass, just mosaics. And it is fan art, mosaics. I mean, it's exactly what it says. No,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Some of the pieces uh, were just really incredible, and he talked about how he... uh, He developed some of them. He had this amazing Joker one that we learned that they don't make purple glass. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. No no purple stained glass. Who knew? So the purple gloves on his Joker, he had to improvise with another model and it turned out so amazing. uh, go to his website, check it out. It, it, it'll be fun just to even
0: peruse it. I think that's probably the most impressive one we've seen so far. Absolutely. We've seen some nice ones. That was the most impressive for me.
1: Yeah, then there's always the uh, the junkyard art. Uh, the, yeah. The sculptures, those are kind of becoming obligatory. They're everywhere, but the guy had a lot of nice pieces.
0: Got a blast. The lenticular stuff, I didn't think about that. No. That's actually really cool. That was really cool. The uh, 3D lenticular art. That was really impressive. I'm a huge
1: Nightwing fan. They had this nice piece where he kept transitioning from Robin to Nightwing. Very cool. And only like 30 bucks a pop. No. That's not that bad. There's a good chance I might be leaving with one of those. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so we'll check in later if we wander around a little bit more. Our next Q&A was with Lavar Burton. Now, Lavar is no stranger to conventions, and the questions put out by his fans... But this crowd was pretty amazing and kept him on his toes. Surprisingly, at least for me, was the fact that most of the questions were not about Star Trek, but instead more about him personally, his early work on Roots, and of course, reading Rainbow.
3: Um, what was your gateway into reading? Was it comic books? Um, no, uh, actually. The, the book that I cite as, as the, the sort of turn on the light bulb experience. Um, was Captain's Courageous, really killing I remember coming to the end of that story and turning the last page and closing the cover, and I got really sad. I didn't understand it then, but you know, it, it was I got depressed because I had so immersed myself in this world and with these characters, and I was really sad to leave them and, and that world. To, to this day, when I'm reading a particularly good piece, piece of fiction, I slow down the last chapter to, to sort of forestall that, that so little sense of depression that always happens when I'm reading a really good story. So, when you get a really good book, it's like you don't want it to end. I don't want it to end. I want wow. to save it. Yeah. yeah. So, you, you really
4: connected with the characters. Was that like, were you visualizing? Was that because as,
3: as a child, like, you could sort of make up. in your own brain. brain. That's That's what reading is about, is making a movie in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we love, I
4: love the fact that you're, you're really an advocate of comic books. too. you talk about this? Because what was the
3: quote, I think you said, if your child child loves superheroes, damn it, buy your kid comic books. Yeah, see, I
4: love that. Because it's like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if that's what is going to get to read. that was the thing for me. I remember it was uh, Spidey Super Stories back in the day. It was, uh, Electric Company had the show, um, uh, easy read, you know, Easy Read. Morgan Freeman played the Easy Reader. He was in the comic books. His picture was on there. He was teaching me how to read I'm Like, uh, oh, he's
3: hanging out with Spider Man. That was the. I just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. So that's just amazing stuff. I also awesome. tell parents that ask me, so how can I get my child to read more? I ask them two things. Number one, how often does your child see you read? Mm-hmm. Children are sponges. They're going to model the behavior that we demonstrate for them. I also ask parents, do you know what your child is passionate about? Because it is our passions that tend to drive our learning appetites, which mm-hmm. is why I say if your kid loves superheroes, they love body confidence. You never know what that eight way experience, like you mentioned, is going to be. And that's going to take communication between parent, parent and child. child. You've got to talk to A your
4: child. and listen to your children, when <laughs> they're talking to you. That could be tough, but yeah, that, that's, that's a good, good
3: parenting, parenting. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, that's a good parent. Sometimes you just want to shut them out.
4: <laughs> Put the, uh, the Blu-ray in or something, and you, know, you want to do something. Can we get uh, an update, I know 35th anniversary for Reading Rainbow uh, this year. Yeah. I know so much has gone on uh, with the show itself. Right. It's now, uh, Lavar Burton Kids, right. your your end of it. You've sort of taken the the digital platforms that you were creating with Ra- Reading Rainbow, Rainbow yeah. and moved them over to here. After many years of
3: representing the Reading Rainbow brand, uh, I decided a year ago that it was time to give the brand back to WNED, the Buffalo Television Station, Buffalo Public Television Station, that that actually owns the brand. Um, I felt like I had done everything with the brand that I could do, including reinventing it for a new digital generation of kids. And um, after being associated with that brand for so many years, I know that people are always gonna make that association. And I'm still doing the same work I've always done, only with a brand that I own, which is the Barbara Kids.
4: Again, just sort of taking control. Of yes. Your so you're the boss
3: of, of, of my destiny, my life. And, and, um,
4: what do we need to know about it? Like, I mean, what's out there for parents? What, what can they get?
3: Well, our, our product, the one that, that, that we developed with the Kickstarter is a digital library. It's over a thousand now books in the library, uh, 250 some odd video field trips. So the library. So it's, it's called Skybrary. Uh, and it's an app on um, all Android devices, uh, on Apple iTunes. Uh, it's on the web, uh, at lavarbertkids.com. We also part of the Kickstarter money was dedicated to help us build a version of that digital library specifically for teachers to use in the classroom. It's called Skyberry School. And and in addition to the books and videos, there you know there's a a, a dashboard for teachers. Uh, they can download lesson plans. Um, The roster of 35, 40 kids, um, track their reading progress, recommend books to them. So it's a pretty robust um, aid for teachers to use where supplemental reading in the classroom is concerned. So um, I'm I'm really proud of what what we're still doing. Good on you. Next question.
4: comic book fans, I'm Joe Stuber, producer and host of Comic Book Central, where each and every week I welcome a legendary talent to the Comic Book Central lair to talk about bringing comic books to life.
2: Greetings, true believers. This is Stan
4: Lee. When do you think the Academy is going to wise up and create a special Oscar category for best cameo?
2: I don't know. They're just asleep on their feet. Maybe your show, maybe this interview will be the turning point.
1: Hi, this is Jamie Alexander, the Asgardian warrior Sif from Thor. I went to Marvel. They said, "Hey, sit down. We want to talk to you about this part." So what happened was, I had a knife in my purse. I set the purse on the chair, and it fell off, and the knife fell out. And then they were like, "Oh God, you really are Lady (laughs) Siff!"
4: Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one, the only, William Shatner. There's all these rumors out there that you're going to be in the next Star Trek film.
0: Well, I'd like to be in it. You know, I don't want to be a gratuitous
3: character, <laughs> like scrubbing the, uh, the windows on the Enterprise days. or something. There's a guy on the
4: Chris wing. Chris Pine. <laughs> a guy. On the wing. Chris Pine says, "There's a guy on the wing." <laughs> Catch the very latest episodes at the website comicbookcentral.net. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Like it on Facebook. Follow it on Twitter. And be sure to join me each and every week for Comic Book Central.
0: This is John Reese Davis.
3: Hi everyone, this is Sunra Glau. Hi, this is Trisha Helfer, number six from Battlestar Galactica.
2: Hey, this is Dean Kane, Superman from Lois and Clark, and you're listening to Comic Book Central, where comic books
0: come to life. Excelsior. Okay. It's been a long day. It has. Quite. We've been here since the con opened at 10 a.m. It is now at almost 6. Yeah, it is 6 o'clock six now. O'clock. So, yeah, it is 8 hours after the Comic Expo. You know, I've been coming to this uh, Sands one year every year, and I don't think I've ever actually spent 8 hours at the Expo. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't actually It was an easy one to do this year. There was a lot to see. There was a
1: lot to see. Um, lots of people here. Lots of good uh, vendors. Uh,
0: the uh, panels that we went to. All very good. I think the panels have gotten better, because in past years, I've been less than happy with a couple of the panels that I've been in. They're just too small, or not enough room. Uh, This one, it seemed like, or maybe I just didn't bother to go to some of the panels of the last ones, (laughs) I don't know. Um, These were good. The room, nice, spacious, lots of room, plenty of room for people. They were doing it right. They were doing it with the... uh, They kind of made everybody leave before the next big guest came in, which... I don't know if... Not a lot of cons that I've been to do that.
1: No, in fact, I, uh, I have experience with the Baltimore Comic Con. And, yeah, you can camp out in a room. Uh, the way they kind of get around that, though, is... Uh, big names don't tend to follow each other into the same spaces. So you have to move.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they backed uh, Carrie Elway's with Clark Gregg, which right. I think here wasn't actually a pretty big draw. I mean, there was a line for Clark Gregg... Before Carrie Elway's even started. Right, yes. Yeah, no, so. uh,
1: they, We had to get out no matter what, but yeah, they were already wrapping him around the bend. And honestly, uh, like we were discussing, Clark Gregg would be fantastic to see, but Carrie was so much better to hear. He has more wealth of experience, a broader acting career. So I wanted to hear more out of him, whereas Clark Gregg... Would be fantastic to see, and I'm sure he's an incredibly charming person, but his experience is pretty much just marvel. That's all I know. True. And it was during the lunch hour. And it was very much, <laughs> uh, we were pushing it with Carrie, because Carrie was at noon and Clark was
0: at one, there was no way we were going to make that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so we did sit down on the LeVar Burton Q&A. Yes. Which was also very interesting. Another actor, which, you know, you don't immediately think of it. You think of, oh, George LaForge. Right. Or maybe in think, this oh, context, yes. But uh, you might all think, oh, yeah, Reading Rainbow. Right. And he does talk to a lot about it too. But you're also talking to a man who's, as it was mentioned, it was brought up in his QA. His first acting gig was during college and was Roots, the miniseries. Yes. Uh, that's pretty damn amazing. Yeah. So you talk about someone that maybe he doesn't have a lot of experience as far as the different shows, that he things that he appeared in, like Carrie right. Elway's or whatever, but the people he's worked with because right. of what he's done.
1: No, I mean, at this point, he's an historical figure as much as anything else. He's done so much for the reading community. Yeah. Uh, making The making of Roots, like that was discussed during the panel. Uh, I mean, that's a turning point in the conception that America has about where African-Americans really came from, what their experience was really yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, this was the first time. John Q. Public in his home got really a visceral experience over what it meant to be a slave. Right. And there was nothing like that in um, in any kind of TV or cinema prior to that. Right.
0: And then down here on the floor, which we're at now, we're kind of near the exit, but we just kind of made a final pass through on the uh, the dealer floor. Some Again, some great artwork. Uh, the artist some really inventive artists Uh, yes you you actually picked up a couple pieces
1: yes no uh, I was uh, there is an artist uh, that we found on the the second half of our day that did these wire artworks they were making sculptures out of turned colored wire Um, and uh, me being a huge Nightwing fan they had managed to make a Nightwing figure that I picked up but they had lots of really cool pieces Uh, some of the stuff that they did with a larger spider-man where they twisted the wire into a web that he was shooting out was really cool Uh, and that's kind of what i look for when i come to these things you can get the standard collectibles anywhere online for way cheaper than you can here Um, i want to see the thing that somebody has made from their heart they're 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 trying to do this and
0: it, it makes it unique and fun absolutely and we did. Uh, we did go ahead and stand in line to say hi to Summer Glau. Yeah, couldn't walk. Couldn't leave without saying hi.
1: I don't do that very often with very many. I'm not a starstruck kind of person. Not that I was starstruck with her necessarily, but she was just one that I really wanted to meet at some point. She's just so adorable. I love her work. She's just so sweet and sincere, even when she's a Terminator kicking ass.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: it's yeah. hard not to love her.
0: While she's shooting at you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she hasn't done a lot in recent years. Uh, you you asked her, yeah, she said she's busy being a mom. Yep, and you know, good honor. That's a tougher job than anything else she's probably done.
1: Oh, absolutely. Trade it. Uh, luck got to show off my little man to hers, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
0: the- uh, for, for for the listeners, this little man. He actually has a son. He didn't yep. show off. You know, don't take that the wrong way. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. And that's why we're leaving. Yeah. Tom, Tom showed <laughs> her a- his little man. I've been asked to leave. No. No, uh, yes. My, my son, Jack, uh, she was uh, ooing and aahing over his photo, which he would get a big kick out of because he's seen her in some things, too. Very cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, you now she was very nice, very you know pleasant to talk to once again. Um, I, I was happy. I just, re- I just said hello to her. And right. Just, and just said, you know, I don't remember. We interviewed, I interviewed you, you know, back in 2010 over in Denver. I I was happy to just get the, you do look real familiar. So I'm like, good enough. I'll take it. And on that note, he's going to
1: continue to wear the shirts that he does just so that he can be recognized.
0: Uh, Exactly. (laughs) This this will now be known as my summer glow talking to shirt that I'm wearing. And uh, this is the one I'm always going to wear if I ever have the opportunity to see summer glow. Absolutely. Yeah. I need more opportunities to see summer glow. (laughs) you know it makes us sound like a little bit like Leches or something maybe but honestly she is just one of those actors that for some reason whenever i see her name come up and a you know and special guest star or appearing it is like oh that's cool i i just like her and actually having talked to her and interviewed her uh, you can go back and listen it's in the interview archive over at timeshifterspodcast.com um we had a fun time we had a real interesting discussion and it was like i want to keep having that discussion with her it's a shame I haven't been able to have an opportunity to sit down and like, okay we talked about this, now I want to talk about this and this and this.
1: Yes, no, uh, and well, uh, the Lech part aside, she is a very attractive young woman. Uh, But what it is, is what draws you to her I think more than anything is she just has that approachable quality to her. Um, Even just meeting her in line, and and of course she's going to be nice, this is part of the job. But I mean, you could have a conversation about anything. I, she talked about her kid. I talked about mine. We could have probably done that for a while if, yeah. uh, if there were time to do it, and you felt like that would be an okay thing to have happen. She's so, personable. She I is. Mean, she's personable. That's the best way to explain it. Which is why you look forward to seeing her in things because you're like, I like, I like her. I want to see her in things. I want. I want to know what she's doing, and, and I want to. Be, I can believe the character that she's playing. Like we were saying, you'll like her even if she's shooting at you. I mean, you just can't not.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. So much drama.
0: <laughs> but uh, all in all, I'd say this has been a uh, a successful and a, and a good expo. The crowds have been fantastic, so there yes. is no doubt that we will see a tenth Cincinnati Comic Expo in 2019.
1: Since we just have to wait in line even just to walk down an aisle, I would say that's a likelihood, yes. Yes, (laughs) yeah. The crowds
0: have been very good. There are a few spots on the dealer floor that they need to work on opening up a little bit. There are some serious bottlenecks where the aisles just get really thin, and there's barely enough room for one line, much less two. Or in case of conventions three or four, that will try to go through this, you know, on opposite directions.
1: And, and if we hadn't mentioned it before for a Comic-Con, it's very thin on the comics.
0: It is still a little low on comics. They seem to be all kind of like sequestered to one end of the room. Yep. And they are there, but they're not as... They're not as big as you would expect, or, or uh, Queen City Comics is down here. Kudos uh, to Queen City. Uh, what comic book world I think I saw. Yep. And then the, most of the other booths just kind of felt like they were the kind of people who this is what they do they go to Comic Cons. They don't actually own a shop. Right. They just kind of travel from the Comic Con to a Comic Con. It's like, I just they, they feel like they're just pulling stuff out of their basement to get rid of, yeah, there were like are at somebody 's rummage
1: sale. There were a little too many of those where uh, yeah, uh, hey, I have stuff that I need to get rid of i 'm just going to come here and try to pocket it. Yep.
0: It's worth $50 to buy an 8x8 booth and just set out a bunch of boxes and see what I get. Ooh, look, Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. The cosplay has been strong this yeah, year. I think this is one of the stronger years on cosplay I, that I've seen. It, it's such—it's
1: becoming such a growing thing, I mean, and, and it begins to become far more acceptable when these things come up. that You're almost out of place if you don't come in at least something that says you belong here. Right. Like, yeah. Like we're in fairly civilian attire compared to most of what's worn here. Yeah, we keep getting here.
0: looks like it freaks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Totally. So, no, but it's been a very good uh,
0: very good convention and a lot of walking. Yes, yeah, <laughs> a lot of walking. I'm looking forward to sitting down and to some dinner. <laughs> sitting down to some sitting, dinner. Sitting. But Eating. if you had a uh, if you had to sum it up, if I asked you, you know, what's the highlight? <laughs>
1: I, you know what? I would have gone uh, early because uh, I really wanted to come and see Summer. I, I I really did. So that was a big draw. Honestly, though, the big takeaway was Carrie. Carrie always was awesome. Yes, he, he's just so much fun to listen to. He's so genuine. He's so appreciative of the of where he's at in his life. It got brought up way too much that if he were to die now, that he'd be a happy camper. But I mean. Seriously, he just really genuinely just likes what he does and doing it for his fans, and he absorbs everything everyone
0: had to say. So it was great. I think, um, Yes, getting a chance to just say hi to Summer Glau again. Yeah, you know, <laughs> everyone knows I have a you know little soft spot in my heart for Summer Glau. Yeah, uh, Carrie Elwes was the was the surprise I yes. think for me. Yes, um, I expected Levar Burton to be exactly what kind of what Levar Burton was. Yes, that kind of thing. I was like, he, he's exactly what I was.
1: He's seasoned. Um, he he's done this before. It's almost that his talk actually came off for kind of automatic, like this is just the same talk that he has over and over Possibly, again. Possibly, yeah. A L- little bit like that, and, and you can't help but get that he does this a lot.
0: Right, yeah, and but, I, I doubt Carrie does as many cons. I know he's he's gotten a little bit more popular in the con circuit, right. but he certainly doesn't have as many as what probably someone like LeVar Burton or, or no, some of the other so guests have.
1: he has, well, he, he has all that energy in there, and, and it just shows, and it just was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. I think the only thing thing second maybe to carry was uh, our brief discussion. We didn't get it on recording because I was stupid enough not to turn the thing on in time, really. Is, uh, was it Brian Collins, the game designer, I think we might have mentioned in a previous one of our recordings or whatever. I got far more chatty with him than I was even expecting to. Yeah, it was kind of one of these things like, oh my well, gosh, we're really talking to him and this is great. This would make great recording. Right. And it's like, can we start over? <laughs> but I think now now that I've met him and realized oh, how oh, precarious God. he seems to be, I think he's somebody I could probably try to reach out to I outside of the con and, and get him on Skype or something like that. I, I I'm I, absolutely going to.
1: No, uh, he was fantastic to talk with. Uh, he was awesome about everything to do with the rampage movie yeah as well as all of the work that he's done
0: today i should probably see the rampage movie before i talk to him maybe
1: you should yeah. uh, it, it's definitely worth a watch because um, it's just fun you can divorce yourself from anything because there there was no expectation everyone expected that thing to just suck <laughs> so if you start at that low bar it's easy right. to go from there but, I mean, just talking to him about that, talking to him, I didn't even know he had anything to do with the Discs of Tron game, and to learn that that was basically what kind of launched his career into the video game world. Right. And that was a—that was—it's still a favorite of mine. Yeah, I apparently the job playing. he didn't want. Yeah, it, <laughs> was, it was a job he didn't want because he wasn't expecting to uh, to do video anything game anim- right. animation. He was expecting to do... The artwork on the
0: side of the panel. See, I didn't look it up. Did he say he, he just did an animated feature or something like that? Yeah. I don't, and I know, don't know what it was. was. I'm going to have to look that up. I, I could wander over there. I could have wandered <laughs> over. Could have, could, we could ask him. Right. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to look, look that up a little yeah, bit and, no. and talk to him. But more. no, he,
1: he was a. That, and that was the thing. Uh, as I'm standing there having a conversation, I'm not expecting to just kind of get kicked off like that. I'm like. I should be elbowing you to turn on your recorder at this point, because he was. It was just so automatic and easy. Uh, yeah. And you weren't expecting it to be that way, especially, uh, I don't know, I've met video game designers before, too. They have a tendency to be exactly like you might picture Yeah. that, and he, he was not that at all. He was, no. uh, he's very much into it, and he wants to have a conversation with anyone that, that will spend time with them
0: yeah well, we'll definitely reach out in a non-con environment right. i think when you don't have i always feel we're trying to talk to some of these people that you know they're here to sell their wares they're sell their stuff mm-hmm. and talk to people and then if you're sitting there hogging right. the table with the mic and you feel people behind you right starting to collect and you you feel like you're like blocking right. the dam you know so well and then
1: as we discussed while we walk through here too as you go to try to try to learn something about those that are still up and coming they're really trying to talk their own wares so to speak and you want to talk to them and you just want to learn so that maybe you can get the word out there about what they're working on but then there's that sense of obligation that you have to buy, buy what they're their, selling buy the book you yeah. can't do that all I day can't long buy all the books no yeah. no and and that was what was great with brian is he had stuff to sell there but he was just as content to have the conversation. Right. I mean, he didn't even press anything that he's had at his booth. He right. just was happy to have the conversation. It was awesome. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. very much. So, yeah, so I think that's going to do it. That's going to wrap up the Comic Expo for us. Uh, it's been a fun weekend. I'm, I'm yep. you know, I'm already, now I'm, I'm kind of psyched and looking forward to next year. I mean, yep. honestly. So I'm, I'm curious to see this will, next year. 2019 will be their 10th year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they kind of just try to keep an even keel or if they pull a few stops and uh, actually celebrate the anniversary. Yeah, exactly. For what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Curious to see, uh, you know, who they bring in guest wise. And I yeah. don't know. hopefully maybe with a little bit of feedback, they'll get back a little bit more to their comic roots and bring in the, uh, the comics a little bit more. <laughs> they maybe. should
1: listen to this.
0: Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but well that is going to do it. So uh, from the Cincinnati Comic Expo, this is Christopher and, uh, and Tom, my, yep. my, my stand-in co-host. You've been awesome today. Thanks very much. I do what I can when I can. Excellent. <laughs> yep. All right, all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Yep. This podcast has been attending the Expo since its humble beginnings in 2010. What was once a small collection of tables crammed into the concourse of Xavier University's Cintas Center has now taken over one of the largest convention centers in the city. Every year it grows just a little bit and keeps improving. I want to thank the Cincinnati Comedy Expo for once again putting on a fantastic weekend. And a huge thanks for Tom for spending the whole day with me and wandering the floor. If you attended, I'd love to hear some of your experiences. You can reach us at timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com and search for the Timeshifters group. And you can follow us on Twitter. At Time Shifters Pod and at Movies at the Mat. Speaking of Matt, he and I will be back in a couple weeks to share our discussion on Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. So until then, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you at the comic book store.